episode 113, Hella Black, out here, recording, Yep, <laughs> making it happen, but I'm, I'm Juice, we about to start some a little bit different on Hella Black, we're just going to do some more, I guess, staying on one topic in shorter episodes, so a lot of episodes will be a lot longer and be multiple topics interwoven through it, but now we're going we're gonna to try something different. You know what I'm saying, and uh, give y'all a, a different t- type of style of content. So like an excerpt, that's what you could, <laughs> you know, look a little brief pod. This is a way that we can continue to spread the politic, um, develop the craft, um, excuse me, contribute to agitation propaganda. But it's the most, um, it's the most feasible way that we're gonna be able to do this as we still try to balance. Uh, organizing, learning, family. This thing called life. <laughs> you know, it's the <laughs> this is this is the way. It's like it's hard to. Um, I'd be jealous, right? Like the other day, I was in here s- sitting down, and I had seen. Uh, I think we was getting ready to go to the DJ shit. You know, like on your YouTube, uh, on your on your on your YouTube channels, it'll have like. Things to watch Like next. that curate shit for you You know what yeah. I'm saying um, that, And like so on our shit On my shit to be popping up With like different podcasts and shit Just cause I be watching Hella speeches and whatnot, right um, And I be seeing these podcasts Like uh, These bigger podcasts That You know are able to just Pump out content bro Like week Like daily content Damn near Like sometimes you get You get certain people You have people that have daily shows Like daily one hour One hour shows Right like YouTube Whole video thing Then you have people that have like a couple episodes a week And I'm just like Fuck Like I wish we could do that Because the content exists Right In terms of uh, Pushing revolutionary Pan-Africanism Revolutionary nationalism Preaching Black liberation politics um, The content is there But Just What it takes To Do that So consistently um, In terms of like Actually producing a show And not just getting on And rambling And ranting It takes a lot And it That to produce a podcast that way would directly impact the organizing. Oh yeah, and it would, that would be a contradiction. You know, when we we were last night, we were teaching a class on revolutionary revolutionary leadership uh, based off of Jaleel's book, "We Are Own Liberators." And a point Jaleel makes in the book is to be a revolutionary leader, you have to be very well studied. You have to understand the philosophies. You have to understand Mao. You have to understand Marxist Leninism. You have to understand the Black radical tradition. You have to have a full, deep understanding of the principles that guide revolution. And at the same time, you have to put those principles to test mm-hmm. through organizing. So how can you, you can't be on a podcast preaching about black liberation, preaching about black revolution, but you ain't putting the principles of revolution to test in your day-to-day life through your organizing. So that that would be, <laughs> it would be a contradiction, you know yeah, what I'm saying, I, to, to fully, uh, to do that. You know, so I think that's why it's adjusting Understanding if you're a listener, we we organize every day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. And if we look at the, um, we have real programs attached to to the work that we're doing that are in the community. You know what I'm saying. So it's obviously this podcast has to function different versus, you know, maybe it'll function different in a few years as we continue to to grow that's the organization. Yeah, that's what I was say. You know what I'm saying yeah. and. Uh, different roles is filled, you know what I'm saying? And that's the, the goal of revolutionary leadership is to build more leaders. So that might look different at different time periods, you know what I'm saying? We might have 
different time because this is an essential part as well if we understand agitation propaganda if we understand political education in this process of class struggle right which we talked about on episode 110 of hello black new african class struggle right class struggle very important part is the agitation propaganda getting the propaganda off to the people so people can begin to realize and come to the realization that we in fact are our own liberators no one can free us but ourselves right yeah, that that was the point I was gonna make was that, you know, maybe down the line, but if, if we look at things with the um a dialectical materialist lens, right? Like looking at the current terrain of our organization, of our locale and what's needed in terms of um the skills or talents or knowledge that we might have, um, it's I don't think the podcast is the most important, you know, like for the organization or for the movement. Right, uh, for the 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 new African independence movement from people's programs, what makes the most sense, uh, what's most important isn't uh, Delancey and Abbas creating weekly podcasts, weekly video shows. It's uh, you know, having not to say that that's not a valuable uh, aspect of political education, right? But what too often people think like having these shows, having these Twitter spaces, engaging in discourse online with people you don't even know, they try to act like that has the same weight. As a uh, two and a half hour cadre class, you know what I'm saying? Like it don't it don't have that like real developed yeah. curriculum. Like us getting up here and talking about these theories and ideologies, and interviewing people. Like yeah, it's important. It might lead to shifts, but it does not have the same impact uh, as a class cadre development. Like it don't it don't have the same impact, right? And so, you know, being able to teach to facilitate and lead specific classes where we really diving into books and being able to. Um, talk about the theory and show how it's brought to brought to fruition in a practical way i think you know that's that's what's more needed right now and so you know hopefully a, a year or two from now um when we get when we've developed other revolutionary leadership where you have people that in cadres now being able to lead to facilitate these workshops lead these classes now we can maybe um figure out how to take that mindset and pump it into a show right that is um you know, some people don't really want those two-hour classes. They might want a two-hour podcast, which is fair, right? Uh, but for right now, again, what makes the most sense is us prioritizing the day-to-day organizing, prioritizing the studying that we have to do. Um, and so this is why that's the 10-minute spiel of why we are shifting to excerpts. <laughs> Not shit. We, we will still have the longer podcast, still be able to get, you know, guests and stuff on here. But, you know, we do want to be able to um, – put something into the pie and what makes the most sense right now is these little 20 30 minute episodes that we could pump out that don't you know that are still going to be uh that are still going to have content still going to touch on ideologies and, and philosophies and theories touch on the work in a very practical way but just in a shorter hopefully more efficient way yeah so on this episode we're going to talk about our recent folks giving partnership with, with offset gym and empire um we did that in the dubs in East Oakland at Garfield Elementary. So first question I got for you, I'm going to interview you for a second. <laughs> did you ever think when you was a kid, you know, growing up over there that you would, uh, you know, serve the community 300 plus turkeys and, and grocery boxes and, and be a, a real asset to, to people over there? Nah, I, am, I, I would say I think it's also just a reflection of how or a good representation um, of how. I started to get connected to the dubs and people from over there, right? You know, uh, Twaddle being my my blood cousin. Um, 
and not meeting him till I was 12 years old, you know what I'm saying? Because his father ended up passing away when I was, before I was even, well, when I was young, right? Uh, when I was young, probably, I think, like a year or a couple months old or some shit like that. I don't, yeah, it's, it's some wild story about, like, you know, his father passing, um, him being raised in East Oakland, and uh, a family friend going to the same church that his great grand that his grandparents went to uh Morris and Olivia Sam's and them saying his dad's name in passing and them like Sonya saying like oh I know his family type shit. So that's like literally how I met Twaddle when I was twelve years old type shit. Um uh, and we first met at Acorn which is wild. You know, <laughs> that's like the first place we met at my cousin house at Acorn. And you know, I remember dropping him off over there and that's like the first time I been went to twenty second and then like really us really getting closer in high school. And so yeah, I think my whole engagement with twenty second has been a, a very like natural and serendipitous thing. And, you know, like the shit that we grew up doing over there and of course me getting introduced to them again when I was in middle school, then again in high school, the hell no, I didn't think that uh, you know, we was going to functions and shit when we was shooting dice and <laughs> we was mobbing. You feel me? Fighting at functions. I never thought that, uh, especially with a nigga like Jim, you know, like if you listen to Hella Black, I don't know what episode it is, but we interviewed Jim. Um, you can hear a little bit about his story and growing up and the shit that he's been through. And like, you know, our relationship really got, we really got close when he went to Juvenile Hall and was uh, uh, in my auntie, my cousin Wendy's unit, right? And so all these things coming into consideration, right? Meeting Twaddle when I was 12 years old. Um, him, his family living on 22nd for 50, 60 plus years, linking up with Jim when I'm like 15 and us really getting close uh, when we 16, 17 because he in juvenile hall and my auntie allowing him to call me every day. Us mobbing together, like literally mobbing, fighting niggas together, fucking with girls together. You feel me? Um, going to side shows and shit together. Like, you feel me? Like this is nigga 2008, 2009. You know what I'm saying? Like, nigga losing partners. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. having friends killed having fucking other side barbecues and shit. Like, that was, like, a real thing, you feel me? And so for us to go from organizing that kind of shit to functions, dice games, and parties, and uh, to organizing food drives is A whole program for decolonization. Yeah, it's, it's fire. Real juiced. Real yeah. juiced. His mom was there and shit, you know? Like, the first time I met his mom was when I went to go visit him when he was on ankle monitor. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> so to go from that to, like, you know, welcoming her into Garfield and giving her search and shit. His son was there, you know, his pops. Um, that was, again, across the street from the first place we ever met. It was fire. Yeah. That's important, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's real important, especially that story. You feel me? Of growing up together, growing and, you know, evolving and being able to do positive things in the community, positive things in the dubs in East Oakland, especially, uh, you know, most of our organizing efforts have been in West Oakland. Right, trying to uh, be able to serve one area before we expand, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I think it, it's real important for us. Not to say we haven't touched the East. No, yeah, we've we we touched, touched the East. Yeah. Extra food would be in the East, you know, other programs we've had and mm -hmm. been able to support, but uh, not to the same level as, you know, we've been in West Oakland, you know, so I think it's been, it's been important for us to uh, expand, you know what I'm saying? Especially looking at, well, five years now of especially the breakfast program. Yeah. So that was definitely a, a dope moment for, for you know. For you, know me, you know what this shit makes me. You know what this shit make me think about is like, especially coming off of us reading uh, this, 
you know, these uh, first few chapters of We Are Own Liberators for the, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth time, it's reminding me of like what you can do with a group of people when y'all um, just decide to do something and when y'all committed to something and when y'all grow together and experience hardships and, and shit together, right? Um, Build true camaraderie. You know, you like, know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that, that shit is wild to be able to do that with Jim. And then again, uh, thinking about it's that's just one facet of it, but then it's the whole people's programs element where you got our cadre members there, right? And them um essentially what I would say like leading the actual uh distribution of the work, right? Like there was a lot of logistical work that was done by central committee folks, uh, but the the cadre members really stuck up and stepped up and led that day, right, in terms of distribution, um, handing out the turkeys, handing out the grocery bags, walking people to their cars that needed to be um pulling folks from the lines and shit and, and just really administrating that whole day uh and so like thinking about what we were able to build on the, the gym side we were able to build on people's program side uh it's just i think especially coming off a time where you know you hear we mentioned this last night in, in in the class where i hadn't seen a lot of it but i think like me and you both got a tweet off the about the need for or like we always do the need for organizations especially coming off the rittenhouse acquittal right um, where people were talking about decentralization don't join organizations just knock on your neighbor door and, and do what you feel all, all, and all type of reactionary idealistic <laughs> anarchist and to be honest a lot of this stuff is being pumped pumped by the state yeah. you know what i'm saying and there's actual factual history to some of these uh quote-unquote ideologies these reactionary ideologies being pumped uh by the fbi as well as the cia to disrupt left movements you know so we, we've seen these reactionary takes being pumped on the internet to, to disrupt building true revolutionary movements you know so and so coming off of you know takes like that saying don't join organizations they're just you know a place where time is wasted with unnecessary meetings where egos are pumped up and like when you hear shit like that it's just you know i i, I take it for what it is like we said chaotic reactionary ill-informed and also folks from now who not really doing our work when you got texts like that um this the stuff that we are able to do the stuff that we're able to read about via the panthers um via um the the folks in africa who have always resisted and at times were able to liberate themselves from colonial rule you know the Nkrumahs, the seco to raise cars the cabrals the maurice bishops right reading about those people and then seeing what we're able to do in contemporary times like in the current time it's like bro I have, we've been talking about the revolutionary nationalist, revolutionary pan-Africanist uh, mindset being one of optimism, right? It's not one of... Uh, it ain't defeatist. Yeah. It, ain't, it ain't pessimistic. And it's not one that ignores our reality, right? Like oh, yeah. We understand that we have been under the heel of colonial oppression for centuries, but we believe through our organizing and undying love for the people that we can liberate ourselves, that we are our own liberators. And I'm reminded of that when I look back at the uh, dialectical development of... Uh, a relationship between me and Jim from going to just high school friends to phone calls in juvenile hall to going on tours together to, you know, providing turkeys to the dubs to acorn projects to me and you meeting other day, bros while I was, I don't know what I was looking for in my email, but I found like some of the, I found like a, a correspondence between us from when I was writing that paper <laughs> on, on BSU and shit. Um, and I'm just like, damn, look at this shit. It's like dated like 2015, 2016. And it might have been 14 shit. But for, for me to see that and be like, damn, like who, I can, I'm about to pull this shit up just for 
just to and it was wild. You was like, yeah, you need to capitalize the B in black. <laughs> uh, let me see. I don't think it's it's wild because I know I, I'm pretty sure we told this story on the podcast, but nah, I haven't I haven't brought up this this tweet. Hold on, I mean this or this this, this is literally because on September twenty fourth, two thousand fifteen. This is to let y'all know when people say you don't got to organize, like don't organize, and that y'all can't build shit. Um, this is this is this is what people. This is how people's programs are. This is the first time that me and B ever spoke. September twenty fourth, two thousand fifteen, at eleven thirty nine p.m. I was on some nut shit. At damn near at midnight. What has that changed? I guess now you just up earlier sending those emails. What's up, B? My name is Delincey. I'm a reporter from Berkeley from the Berkeley Side Paper. I'm covering the renaming of Lacan Elementary in Berkeley. I read in the Daily Cloud that BSU at Cal has requested a change of name for Barrows and Lacan Hall on Cal campus. I saw that you spoke to the Daily Cal and gave your opinion on the matter. I wanted to see if you had anything to say about the process that is being made, the progress that is being made toward the request of the Black Student Union. We went from that. You feel me to? This 2015, like the shit that happened, I don't know what. This is the year Jim also got shot. You feel me? Like look at you feel me? Like shit, shit from that is is insane, bro. To go from, you know, who knows what I don't, I can't remember what 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 month it was when Jim got shot. But in 2015, that was the year that me and you first met, and that was the year that Jim got shot. And so for you know us to be doing six years later, bro, this is literally six years ago for us to be handing out groceries and food and acorn. In the Dubs in West Oakland, weekly, hosting, uh, facilitating classes, cadre development. You know, I went into the space two days ago, and you know, Nicole and Becca was doing donation shit. Uh, Yimmy and Ray was meeting on some shit, right? Like, bro, this is this is this is what organizing does for all the folks that, and this is what happens when you make a commitment to something. When and this is has not been easy. I'm saying not been easy at all. Commit to those principles, you know, putting those politics in command. Beautiful things will arise, <laughs> and then that's dialectics. That's proof. That's proof that years later, growth happens when you stay committed, despite you know against all odds. For real, <laughs> against all odds, you stay committed to the principles and always putting the politics in command. The natural evolution is to grow. The natural evolution is to build towards revolutionary nationalism and pan Africanism, with the political objective of freeing the land. But brush. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild, bro. Like, that was 2015, bro. And you want to know when we started organizing for this second, uh, this second false giving was when we was at the tribunal. That's when we started organizing for it. That's when I had my first phone call with Jim. That's when I went up to Ayana at the end of the shit and was like, yo, remember, what about yeah. our partnership with these food banks? Can we get turkeys? Da, 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 yeah, like, yeah. Ayana got an idea about putting a... Uh, you know, like kits together and stuff. You yeah, know instead, of, so instead more, of being more just, just to hand the turkey off, you know. That's what organizing does. That's what organizing does. Just while we was in New York <laughs> <laughs> at the tribunal, you know, getting that work done. And it, and it takes a, a program. It takes an organization, a cadre organization of people who are dedicated for the political objective of freeing the land from your American control. And this can happen and around the world, this, bro. This can happen this can. around the world. It can. It, and it has happened. It has happened. All right, and if we're going to pick up that torch... That torch towards freedom, the torch towards independence, the torch towards true autonomy, true nationhood is it's what's requ- required of us. And that's going to take discipline. That's going to take sacrifices. And that's going to take uh, intense studying and taking that study and transforming that into action. I think that's why I'm looking back on that and folks giving it and seeing how we've grown and evolved. It's, it's huge. It's huge. And that, that, that's the testament to studying. 
and putting the putting the work in. <laughs> you feel me? Putting the work in against all odds. And and I hope that people can hear this and, and see the work. This is why, like you know, we um, we do the the recaps. This is why we shit write the pieces. This is why we do the podcast. Is so that like to use it as a um, not just a a a vessel for learning, but yeah, like to but really like, you know like where you can see in the, the deep, actual in the, deep. the actual steps of the actual yeah. processes of because you hear the stories and you might just see the podcast or you might just see folks giving, but not have a, a full context of literally the culmination of moments to lead at that moment. You know what I'm saying? The, the culmination of organizing the cul- So that people can see culmination like, yo, it was of, like of building, pro- it was a process. It wasn't just, oh, like, look at, like, boom, they got this space or look at, they they was able to distribute 500 turkeys. Like, wow, there's a health from, clinic. Like, you know, like that, it was it was a process. And so like in your mind, and I think sometimes you can read, especially with some of these, like I was fucking reading some Nkrumah last night at like one o'clock in the morning. I'm like, bro, this shit is so overwhelming. And I'm like, you can read these things and it can feel overwhelming. Um, especially as you start to get awakened to new things, but just understand all you got to do is just start small, just start small. And uh, again, you know, through the readings, through the practicing, the the next steps will become a little bit more clear, a little bit more clear. And again, we, there will be contradictions. There will be struggles. You know what I'm saying? There will be opposing forces. Um, but as long as you just, you know, take it, boom, like we said, this, this started between the email between me and B, between us, both being an African black coalition between us, both stepping away from there, between us starting the podcast, between us saying, oh, and actually we need to be not just talking about stuff, we need to be doing something, between us going grocery shopping, between us at my at my aunt's house, between my aunt, my uncle, my cousins helping us make hygiene packs, my mom cooking the soup, between random volunteers, between volunteers not coming, between us having a core team, between us losing core team members from lack of commitment and lack of political education to us gaining new core team members for uh, showing up, for us losing other core team members, for us gaining, for us shifting to Central Committee, to us having membership. You know, like this shit is over the last six years, that is what happened. That is a six year journey of how we got to today. And, you know, from looking forward to another six years. And I'm just saying, all you got to do is just start somewhere and read. Uh, find a common ground like maybe they'll maybe the first like maybe the first people you work with might not agree with revolutionary nationalism might not agree with revolution and pan-africanism but they just believe in human rights that's the starting block and them niggas can come hand out food with you and then you handing out food <laughs> and now we're gonna read a Salazar's autobiography then we're gonna read revolutionary suicide then we're gonna read to die for the people you know what i'm saying then we're gonna read the war before so we're gonna that's that process and it's using different organizing strategies to reach different objectives. I was thinking yesterday, you know, we, we talk about different uh, ways you can uh, format and organize, you know what I'm saying, from uh, 10, 20, 30 organizer model to a 333 organizer model to a uh, pyramid organ, an organizer model. And the 10, 20, 30 organizer model is a model that, you know, lacks security protocol, but gets people out for an event, you know what I'm saying, or gets people out uh, in mass to uh, an event that you, you need to organize or to a rally or whatever. In our case, it was organized and, you know, some of our first breakfast programs. Hey, pull up. We're going to have this, you know, 27th and Northgate pull up at 10, 10 a.m. See you there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And from that, having those people, you know, come out and then like with the process you was just talking about, I ain't going to repeat it, but that process of growing, growing, growing over the years to now where we have a, a structure built out, right? A, a organized discipline, uh, structure built where there's you know a a pyramid structure a revolutionary nationalist structure that uses democratic centralism to guide the organization you know that's that process of building you know so i encourage folks to just get out there and do it and study 
Get out there and do it and study and study like your life depend on it because our lives do. Hello, Black.